You're listening to the LaunchCast, your favorite podcast on the planet, brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. We're talking leadership, business, life, and growth right now as the countdown starts. It's like food for your ears. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch sequence. Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the LaunchCast. Episode 309, Goosebumps. The title this week is, Can You Hear the Winds of Change? This is a good title. You're going to find out in a couple of minutes why. I'm so glad you guys joined us again this week. We have been on fire the last few weeks. I'm going to tell you why. But first... It's the Launch Dad himself bringing you your favorite podcast on the planet. Leadership, business, life, growth. Right now, as the beat drops. Into the black hole. What is happening, everybody? George Andriopoulos back hosting another week of the LaunchCast produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Man, these last few weeks have been a blur. We've actually been recording like back to back to back day after day uh, for some of these episodes. And uh, I just recorded yesterday, episode 308 with Chef Mark Bynum. Uh, Man, that was a heavy episode. That was so, so good. Uh, If you haven't listened to it, go back on all your favorite podcast platforms and check out that episode. But yeah, we told you this year we're we're doing stuff different on, on this season of the LaunchCast. Season three is all about actionable change. It's about showing you how to take action on that leadership. We taught you the leadership first. We showed you some more in season two. We showed you stories. I told you stories. And now season three is about action. We have a few different types of episodes. Here we are back with our OG, our original leadership deep dive interviews, and I'm so happy for this guest today. Uh, and I want to I want to do a shout out to to uh, one of the services that I use to match us up with guests. Podmatch has been awesome. Uh, Janice came from Podmatch, and uh, we've had a few other guests that have signed on that are going to be coming on from Podmatch. And of course, we had. Uh, uh, a couple of episodes ago, 307 was from Podmatch as well. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of cool. And, and these are resources that we're also bringing to our shows that we produce uh, from Launchpad 516 Studios. And we're just filling this thing up with good content. So without further ado, let me read the bio and then I'm going to bring our guest on screen. Our guest this week, Janice Lintz. Janice decided to change the world for people with hearing loss after a doctor told her that there were special schools for her daughter immediately after diagnosing her with a hearing loss. Janice decided it was easier to change the world rather than lower her standards. And I can understand that. We're going to talk about that. Janice has transformed hearing access in the United States, including but not limited to captioning standards on television, captions on in-flight entertainment on airplanes, 
Hearing access in museums, theaters, subways, taxis, airports. Build-A-Bear Workshop added hearing aids to its national product line because of Janice's advocacy. In addition, Janice helped the National Park Service rewrite its guidelines. She has worked with corporations, government agencies, nonprofits globally to transform hearing access. There's so much more. I'm not going to waste time in the bio doing this. Let, let us bring this beautiful lady on stage. Here we go. Hello, Janice. Hi, George. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so I want to dive right in, uh, and I'm going to tell you in a little while why I chose you as a guest when we were matched up. Uh, but I'm going to dive in with the first question that we ask every single week on the LaunchCast. Janice, are you a leader? Yes, I am. I mean, I think I didn't start out that way, but I became that way. Yeah, so talk to me about that. What is your definition of a leader? I mean, I see someone at, at, that takes that takes charge. I mean, I guess my entire life, I always was the person who was, if something wasn't working, I changed it. I mean, whether I was 13 years old and I was writing letters to politicians, or I was in college and I was recolonizing sororities on campus. That's just kind of who I am. I see a problem and I solve it. I yeah. don't look to say somebody else should do it i do it well that's uh, i love that you said that so so that's that's sort of our definition here every week we hear a different uh guest tell us what their definition of leadership is for myself at its core at its core before you get into all the nuances of it at its core leadership is standing up and saying i'll do it right whether it's i'll do it with you i'll do it for you I'll teach you how to do it. Whatever that answer is, I'll do it. Standing up and saying, I'll do it. So I, I love that and I love what you've done. I want to sort of take this way back. What we do, if you're not familiar with this podcast out there listening, uh, what we do is we sort of do this chronological um, journey through this this guest's life uh, uh, to sort of discover that unconventional journey, how this all happened. So take us back way, way back uh, when, when you were growing up. What was the plan, uh, Janice, growing up? Well, if we want to go back to when I was little, I was two and a half years old and I demanded to my mother that I had to go to nursery school because I was bored. So that gives you an idea <laughs> of like, this is the type of child I was. And I also was one of those kids where I needed to have like, look everything to be a certain way. There was none of this, you know, I wouldn't go to school without underwear without, without ruffles on my underwear because it just had to look a certain, I had to have a presentation. I was understanding branding as a very young age. So <laughs> my mother found me exhausting. So uh, um, I've always just been like this. You know, I was somebody who, when I was younger, I was right, as I mentioned, I would write politicians asking to change and issues. Um, when I was in college, I led change on my campus from recolonizing um, sororities to running for student government. I didn't win, but I became the student association's publicity director and reorganized and figured out the finances and figured out where we could cut. So I was, you know, and I also in college led a drive to have more healthy food, you know, pre-Alice Waters. I didn't understand why I had to eat um, unhealthy food and gain the freshman 15. And I was meeting with um, the president of the school in college about what type of food students were served. 
So it's kind of, that's just the way I lead my life. I see problems as opportunities for change. And I'm constantly do this. I mean, it's not just, we're going to talk about hearing access. I mean, I just, I've been working with, you know, on medical care, on Epic CEO's office and changing the systems for hospitals in New York City to bring greater transparency and accountability to our billings. And they, and if, you go to NYU Hospital or Mount Sinai, and I'm sure it's spilling out to other hospitals, you're gonna see greater transparency on your bills. It used to say pay $250. Now you receive an invoice telling you why you're paying it, right. who the doctor is. I mean, to me, this is common sense. Basically, I've always advocated common sense. And so this is just what, who I am. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, in doing my research on you, I listened to a couple of podcasts that you had been on. And, and one specifically, you were asked when you got the call to leadership and you said that you never got a call to leadership it happened by happenstance um but i hear these stories and it's kind of like the leadership has always been there we may be talking about leadership in that instance in hearing access <coughs> excuse me in hearing access uh but you've always been a leader i mean since since a little kid and 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 of course showing showing it off in college now when you went to college uh you, you studied law in college correct no, I, I studied marketing um, in college, and then I went to law school. Then I did an executive education program, and now I'm getting my MPA start in July. Very cool. Very cool. So always I learning. Think, oh, wait. Well, I think that's part of being a leader is, is I don't see education as a one and done. I see it as something you continually learn. It's a lifelong learning program, and you kind, you're constantly tuning up as you realize you need more skills. So my MPA may not be the end. It could, I could end up going, you know, for a PhD at 98. Uh, you know, I'm leaving all doors open. <laughs> I love that. Uh, let's talk about, let's talk about family. So uh, uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about today was sparked by a moment with your, your daughter. Um, how has family been important in terms of your leadership? Well, look, my kids, like everybody else's kids, it's everything, you know, don't mess with my, with my, baby cubs, right? Right. I, and I'm like typical mama bear, you know, don't tell my child this is what her life is going to be. I didn't really understand it. I hadn't wrapped my head around the diagnosis and the bar was lowered for her entire life and it didn't make any sense and I didn't understand. I couldn't even actually process it. It was too hard to understand why. And I was like, my daughter's really bright. Why? Like, I, I didn't really understand, but I was like, okay, I, I, I'll deal with that later. Yeah. But my daughter, by the way, ended up going to a top private girls school in New York City. She went to um, one Ivy League for college and she's in an Ivy League getting her master's now. So that was my idea of special. Yeah. I don't think that's what the pediatrician thought. So let, let's get into that. So uh, I kind of want to hear, I, I've heard a lot about th from that moment on, I want to sort of hear, uh, from a different perspective, I want to hear about everything leading up to that moment. What caused, um, you know, you going to the doctor uh, in, in terms of uh, getting your daughter's hearing checked and all that? So my daughter wasn't speaking. She was 18 months old. She wasn't speaking. I was on a play date with a mom who was a teacher at Dalton, a, a top school in New York City. And I can remember distinctly this moment. Um, the woman said to her daughter, Apple. And her daughter repeated like a parrot, apple. 
And she did that for a number of words, but I remember distinctly this apple. And I turned to my daughter and I said, apple, and she just looked at me blankly. And I had been keeping track of every word she was saying in her baby book. Um, and I literally had a list of dates and the words she added on that day because it was that measurable. Most kids, when they're speaking, they just speak naturally. You can't really count the words. It just becomes yeah. a conversation. And, but hers, her language and vocabulary was so limited that it was countable. And every, and I didn't think the pediatrician was taking me serious. And I felt like he was treating me like I was like crazy yeah. and, and neurotic. And, and that's what happens a lot of times to women. We are patronized. And I just kept a list because I thought I needed credible evidence to prove to him the list. I mean, this is crazy. Sure. But, and I was going to uh, parenting conferences and trying to figure out what was wrong. And, and you have to remember, my daughter's 27. This is just when early intervention is starting. Um, autism, I only knew one person with an, with an autistic child. And even then, I didn't really even understand it. So this was a very different time before you know, getting every child having all of this test. Thank mm. goodness, this doesn't happen anymore. Fabrizio, our mailbag has been blowing up lately with questions about the launch cast and our beautiful studios here and how we produce this whole thing. What do you think? You think it's time that we give them the secret? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Hit me with some dreamy stuff. Good, good. Guys, it's time to tell you that the LaunchCast, your favorite podcast on the planet, is now produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. What is Launchpad 516 Studios, you ask? Well, I'm going to tell you. It is our brand new podcast production company operating right here at Launchpad 516. Who am I talking to right now? I am talking to people with an existing podcast. I am talking to people with an idea for a podcast. I am talking to anybody that has an important message to get out there and they want to do it on the biggest platform on the planet, podcasting. Guys, hit me up with all of your questions. I'm going to fill you in a little bit right now on how we do this. So podcast production from us means we are doing everything from the admin side of producing your show to filming, recording, and editing to post-production to monetization of your show. Ah, Fabrizio, they like that. Monetization. That means you get to make money on your hobby and turn this into a potential career. We are bringing on a ton of shows under the Launchpad 516 Studios banner, and I am so excited to get this thing started. Contact me at Launchpad CEO on Instagram, Facebook, or hit us up on the email, media at launchpad516.com. You are not going to want to miss this opportunity, guys. This is going to be big. So the doctor said to have her tested, so I went. And... It turned out she had a hearing loss, um, but you know, the doctor was treating me as if I had like Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Yeah. I mean, which is absolutely insane. She had a hearing loss, and it was so simple to have her hearing tested, and he didn't. It was just easier to treat me as some neurotic Upper East Side woman who is, you know, helicopter parenting, and and that's not what it was. And of course, you want to be wrong when the diagnosis, yeah. you don't want to be right. But then there's right. a part of you that's like so excited that you, you are, you're correct. Like there is something. And I think parents need to know, they know their children and they should trust their gut 
And when you don't have a great communication with a doctor and any doctor patronizes you, change doctors. And now I have a, a zero tolerance for any doctor who patronizes me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to. So first of all, thank you for for sharing that and for your honesty there. I want to share that um, for a very very specific reason here. So the reason, Janice, that you you caught my eye and uh, in terms of being a guest on the show is that I am right now in this very moment going through this uh, with my daughter. Uh, and so I, I have two older kids, 13 and 11, um, and uh, I have a 15-month-old baby at home. And we have been nothing short of amazed at the entire process. And we happen to both be in New York State um, and deal with you know similar programs. We have been nothing short of amazed at the programs available to us, the advocacy, everything that has come our way since the day my, my daughter was born on August 7th, uh, and we were told that she failed a hearing test at birth. Now, my, my older two, 13 and 11, there was no hearing test at birth. The things have changed, right? Um, and, and we kind of said, how, how can you tell at birth? And, you know, they explained it to us. All right, no big deal. We'll do a follow-up before she leaves the hospital. Failed that too. Then we had to go for the AVR test, all that kind of stuff. And sure enough, uh, she has a, a, a mild hearing loss. Um, at which point we were put into the early, in, early intervention program. Um, she has hearing aids now, the whole deal. She, she uh, has uh, speech language therapy, which she just happened to have earlier today. Um, and I want to say that for the, the, the people listening out there right now that need to hear this, that have heard Janice's experience all that time ago and my experience in this past year, it is because of people like you, Janice, that I, my wife and I, had such an easy time going through this process. And this is scary. I remember, you know, the day when, when we really officially found out that she had a hearing loss and it was, it was very tough uh, for us, you know. Uh, there was sort of a, a grieving that went on in that moment for just a brief moment until we, we you know, picked ourselves up and said, OK, let's move forward and, and figure this out. And figuring it out, that process has been really a pleasure to go through because of people like you that have made this possible. So I want to thank you uh, for all the work that you've done, because we really have had an incredible experience here uh, going through this. That's amazing because yeah. I, I I cannot say the same, and I think a lot of it um, really has to do with autism. Mm -hmm. I think because autism exploded, um, early intervention changed, and really um, the people realized you had to get in and and learn. And but the, I will say, the more therapy you can get at a young age, the better because yeah. it's as the kids get older in their teens, it becomes much harder. So just layer on as much speech therapy as possible because the more, the sharper you can get the language skills, the better. And, and that really does happen right from the start. Yeah. And there are definitely also other things you, know, you can do. And, and part of my whole goal is to disrupt the entire, the preconception of what people think. There are these teachers for the deaf, which I really didn't understand what they were um, and to me, if you want to, you know, teach your child to listen better, learn an instrument, there was this perception children with hearing loss can't learn instruments. That wasn't true. My daughter was learning the piano. 
um, instead of having these quote teachers of the deaf who work on writing and some of the language skills, we hired writing coaches. Um, if you're going to play tennis, right, you would hire a tennis pro. So why not hire a writing pro? And so we hire a top writing teacher, you know, like almost like tutors, but we hire people who went to Ivy, Ivy equivalent schools because I wanted to make sure her writing skills were really sharp. Yeah. And they are, I mean, super sharp. And I, I just felt the entire industry needed disruption. Uh, and they were still operating on very antiquated notions from long ago that no longer exist. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to, I want to touch on that for a second. So we, we talk about on the show uh, a lot. We talk about something that I like to call a spark moment, uh, a moment that, that proves to be a pivotal moment in your journey that leads you down a path, right? Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, that path. And that path has, has really had a, a profound effect on your life. And so that moment that I've read in every interview uh, that you've done, uh, that moment when you were told by the doctor that there were special schools that she can go to, what did that word special spark inside of you? Terror, absolute terror. I mean, I lived in Manhattan and I lived in Manhattan because I love the culture. Yeah. I want to go to museums and theaters and, and you know, okay, this is pre-pandemic, but I want to be able to go everywhere and do everything. And suddenly I felt like my entire world was changing and I didn't really understand why did my world have to change? I didn't want to be part of this. You know, I always describe this, this perception when you have a disability that you're in like Frosty the Snowman's parade of misfit toys. And why do you have to be part of this parade of misfit toys? Why can't you just be like everybody else? Okay, so you have a disability. You know, somebody else has blonde hair. Somebody else, you know, it, it just is a different religion. Like, to me, it's a, just another attribute about you. It shouldn't define your entire life. Um, I also felt like there's this cottage industry about disabilities because of the ADA. And I didn't really understand why we needed an entire cottage industry about this. It, it should just, the access should be in place and we shouldn't need to cluster and travel in groups of people with disabilities. It sh and, and you're starting to see this changing. You know, it's, it's sort of like on television, you would see a movie and it'd be about the disability. And now you're starting to see television programming where one of the characters, oh, by the way, has a disability. And the show doesn't revolve around that person's disability. It's just another part of the storyline. Sure. And I think it's finally changing and people are realizing that, but there are a lot of people entrenched in this industry of disabilities because that's what their career is about. And I always think that disabilities is about and access is about how to get, remove these artificial barriers. It's not about, keeping people who are ADA coordinators in, in business or, you know, and sometimes I think that's what it becomes about more about their own job than the access and the person who benefits from the access. Yeah. Yeah. I completely understand. Um, you know, a lot of what you've done, uh, uh when it comes to change is very specialized. I feel, um, you, you mentioned that you had a background in marketing. Of course, you're an attorney. How did you use, your professional experience in order to create change? So when I was doing it, I didn't really see it that way. Like I just, it, you know, 
it, it's kind of like you, right? You're, you have skills that are so entrenched into your being that you don't even realize that that's part of your career skill set. Right. So one of the times where the perfect storm of all my skills from my different random careers, you know, I started in marketing, I went to law school, and now here I was an advocate. And those seem like very three very disparate fields, right? With zero connection. But apparently they are connected in some random way. And there was a meeting where I was trying to have caption standards change. And I was meeting um, the Association of National Advertisers had brought together production people, similar like to you, right? Bring, sitting and trying to figure out how to bring captions on television commercials. And I sat there and I realized that and everybody at the table realized that the reason this was successful and happened was my background in understanding how television commercials were produced, my law degree to understand what the laws were and how to manage this, and my advocacy skills of getting things done enabled me to get this project done that nobody else was likely to have gotten done. Yeah. And it was really the first time my three careers came together and that I started seeing the skill sets from it. But it, it was interesting. Previous to that, I didn't. There were very, there are definitely various turning points in my career where there are these pivotal moments where suddenly you realize, okay, this is going to work. I, I, I am getting this done. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, I want to sidebar real quick because there's, uh, there's the advocate here, right? The professional, and then there, there's the real person. And sometimes they tie together. Um, one thing that I read about you that I thought was super interesting is that you have, you're a traveler, right? You have traveled to 194 countries, uh, territories, and unrecognized nations. What is the impetus I, behind I, that travel? I am a super curious person, and I am obsessed with travel. But this is like I grew up traveling. My grandmother traveled. My mother, when she was alive, I never knew what country she was in. We always traveled. So this is just like it's in my DNA, and I love it. And, you know, I, I did the classic post-college backpacking trip, and it was a light bulb moment of like, oh, my God. I didn't realize that cheese tasted like this and ice cream. You know, I grew up eating Breyer's ice cream and seal test ice cream and green <laughs> cheese in a green can. This didn't taste, have a whole lot of flavor. It was, didn't really appeal to me. And suddenly when you try amazing French and Italian cheese and gelato, you realize, oh my God, they've been lying to you. They're telling you you're eating ice cream and, and cheese and you're not eating <laughs> anything close to what that is. And I realized I had to see everything myself because I didn't believe anyone anymore and i wanted to see and i saw these incredible buildings and the castles in europe and i it was just floored and so i realized that like i needed to do this and then once i also learned about frequent flyer points and that i could fly for free well now we were talking <laughs> this is just like the cat's meow so i became really good at like figuring out the frequent flyer point programs. I don't know if you saw, I took out 80 cards and earned 2.7 million miles in sign-up bonuses. Holy cow. Yeah. I, you know, I'm somebody who, once I'm going to do something, I do it really well. <laughs> and I realized, like, I could be flying and traveling, you know, free or close to, I think on average, I tend to get about 69% off um, wow. my travels. 
Right. And staying in nice places, not, you know, couch surfing. I am not a couch surfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me uh, neither. <laughs> but staying in nice places and figuring out how to optimize value. And I, I just, I love it. And every time I go someplace, but the thing that is amazing is, first off, when I'm traveling, I'm also tracking global best practices for people with hearing loss. But not only that, I am seeing the most fascinating places. You know, I've been to countries like Eritrea or Iraq. Somaliland, Sudan, places that I would never think I'd be able to go. Sure. You know, like France and Italy seemed pretty much on the, at some point I would have gone in there. But some of these other countries were, you know, less popular destinations for Americans. Sure. sure. And, you know, even going to like French Guiana, seeing a rocket launch, going, you know, it's just phenomenal going to Antarctica. And I've been doing it and it's just, I love it. It's to me, the, it is my oxygen. Yeah, and what's cool is, uh, and this is a big lesson for for the leadership uh, listeners out there looking for a lesson here in all of this, is that sometimes our our personal passions and our professional lives sort of mix. Uh, I know that you helped to change hearing access in airports, and I am sure that had something to do with your love of traveling. So talk about that for a minute. Well, it did, and that actually came out from, I took from my daughter's graduation present, we did this phenomenal trip, um, I took her to uh, Sri Lanka and the Maldives, and we wow. had to, because I was using points and we booked at the last minute, we had to fly through Japan one way and, and Malaysia the other way. I, not exactly on the way, but if you, you, you turn obstacles into opportunities, we ended up going to an incredible um, world's best list restaurant in Tokyo. To, you know, just if you're going to go for a, like an overnight, why not go to the best restaurant in the world? And, and have a, and have sushi for breakfast. So you can turn these obstacles into opportunities. But when we were flying through the airport, they made it, had it, she was going back to school and I was coming back to New York and they made a gate change for her flight. And she did, I knew she didn't hear it. And like every teenager, her battery on her phone was dead. And so she, I couldn't communicate with her. And I asked the person at the gate for American Airlines, can you please let her know that her gate changed? And she said, no, I can't. And she wouldn't help me. Right, exactly. Wow. That was my, I, what do you mean you can't? Oh, my daughter's gonna miss her flight and she's gonna be, she, you know, this is not gonna work. And they're like, no, you, you know, I'm like, I can't reach her. What do you want me to do? And I was like, this is outrageous. So I remember I screenshot the, the flight change and the fact she couldn't, and I took all the information down and when it came back, I decided this was going to be a project I was going to change and I was going to start working on it. And coincidentally, I was met somebody who um, knew the CEO of Delta Airlines and gave me his email address. And I wrote him a letter and that adding induction loops, which allows a person with hearing loss to hear the announcements directly in their hearing aid or cochlear implant when mm. they switch to the telecoil setting. Um, occurred and once delta started doing it in the airports as they renovated like you'll see it at laguardia newark and jfk it's it, in as they renovate the airports but it's in detroit it's in rochester and as they renovate they're adding it once delta did it then other airlines started doing it because you see what's really fascinating is once one airline does it the others can't say they can't do it right right and so like in Rochester, you had, I think, United and JetBlue added it. 
in Seattle, I think it was Alaska Airlines added it as well. And so you're starting to see, and you know, then you also have the Alliance Airlines. So Delta's part of, um, uh, I just blanked the Alliance, but the I Alliance. I you're talking with, about, yeah. I just can't believe I blanked, but with Air France. And so I've seen now induction loops with Air France. Um, and so that's what happens and it starts spilling out in the interim. I filed, uh, there was a federal comment. And this is something where, like when somebody else has a, uh, something they want to change, that they the, the comment didn't specifically ask for this question. It asked about service animals in airports. But if there is a comment about somewhere tangentially connected to your topic, mm-hmm. There's nothing that says you can't put in what you want to put in. What are they going to do? Come and arrest you? Like, they're not going, like, there's nothing they can do. You can submit a comment of anything. They don't have to do it. But I decided you're going to still have eyeballs on that filing, right? If I write a letter to someone, I may not get eyeballs on it. But I am going to get decision makers' eyeballs on my comment if I filed a comment, addressed the service animal issue, and then added issues about um, captions on in-flight ed- entertainment and induction loops. And sure enough, it did. In fact, the D- US DOT mandated captions on in-flight ed- entertainment emanating departing um, the United States after I worked with Richard Branson at the land. Um, um, Virgin. Virgin, thank you. At Virgin Airline, Virgin Atlantic. So it's a great way to be able to reach the critical decision maker by filing comments, even if it's unrelated to your topic. So I was, one of the questions that I was gonna ask you, I'm looking at my notes right now, one of the questions that I was gonna ask you and you really just answered it, uh, more so for the audience to, uh, to really understand is that when you can gain access to influential people, that's one of the greatest ways to affect change. I'm not going to dive too deep into this because uh, we're we're also not afraid to share other podcasts. What I'm going to do is in the show notes, I'm going to uh, share a couple of links to podcasts that you've done so that people can hear more of a step-by-step on affecting change and how to gain access to influential people. But quick lesson for people out there, guess what? That's how you affect change. I uh, It was funny. I was speaking to somebody earlier a business owner who is having kind of a major uh, issue. I don't want to get uh, dive into it. Kind of a, a major issue that really exposes them um, and, and something that wasn't their fault, right? Something that could be a quick fix. And they're trying to get this fixed by a vendor of theirs. Uh, and even though it was it was their own fault, the vendor won't fix this. And this is a huge issue. And I said to him, I go, you know, all you have to do is just go on Twitter as your company and tag them and point it out. And this will rise in the ranks real quickly. And this will be fixed for you by the end of the day. You know, and he goes, oh, you know what? You're, you're kind of right. And so how we gain access to those influential people, that that's a process. Uh, again, I'll, I'll link some other podcasts where you've talked about that. Um, but but Janice is a master at this guy. So please, please take note of this seriously. Um, so let's talk about hearing access and innovations, which people can read more about at hearing. Uh, I'm sorry, what's the website for that? Hearingaccess.com. Hearingaccess.com. So tell us about that. So 
after I was working as an advocate for many years, um, I transitioned into a consultant. Part of it is, and it's a really tricky line because I still also work as an advocate, but there, I felt companies were asking me to do work for them that they would otherwise pay a consultant, but they felt they didn't have to pay me. And I didn't understand why companies devalued my time. And I was like, that is unacceptable. So I now offer a, a two-tier approach. Um, I, I liken it to like Adobe, right? You have the free version, basic. So if you look at my website, JaniceLintz.com, you'll see under tools to use a bunch, a bunch of um, tools that can help you and you can do it yourself. All the information is under tools to use. And if you read through all that, you can figure it out yourself. But you know, like Ikea furniture, right? Yep. You put it together yourself. But if you want the pre-made version of, of the furniture or the bells and whistles on Adobe, then hearingaccess.com, then you hire me but I'm no longer going to do what I did in the past of write reports for people. I would do very, very detailed reports. And, and I realized it was really disrespectful, not only to me, but people with disabilities, because pe people with disabilities or their parents should not have to routinely provide detailed reports on how to accomplish the access that is pretty self-evident. Yep. And 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 it's and by by repeatedly doing it for free, I was facilitating this ineptness, and I was no longer going to do that. Yeah. And so I have ceased doing that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I I completely understand that. I have a my main business is a management consulting company. This is all fun stuff for me here, um, and I completely understand that we have a, a, a private think tank leg of our company that does. Uh, pro bono work and i have noticed that when there is an investment in that that's when change happens a lot more often the rest is just advice right but when they're paying for it they're gonna do it <laughs> they're gonna get it done um i want to say janice i love everything that you're about uh, uh i've checked out so much of your work it's it's so incredible i'm not even gonna get into the list guys you know what let me touch on the list she was a 2016 aspen institute spotlight on health scholar a member of the u.s access boards rail and passenger vessel committees a member of the new york state interagency council for the deaf and blind i have a whole list. I have a whole list. I'm going to put all of this in the show notes so you can read all this. This woman is the real deal. She is the real deal. Check out Hearing Access and Innovations. Uh, we're going to move on to the big three real quick before we wrap this thing up. So let's do it right now. The big three. The big three from the launch cast. Janice, the big three is I'm going to throw out some stuff. You're going to give me your top three quick, concise answers. No surprises here. It's going to be fun. Ready? Okay, let's All right. go. Let's throw out a softball first. Three favorite places that you've ever traveled. Oh, that's everybody always asks me. First off, I love every place, but I always feel like that's where the question is more really, where should people go to see something that just will blow their minds, uh, blow themselves away? Um, Bolivia is one of them and going to see the salt flats during the rainy season is like a must see saudi arabia it is nothing like anyone expects and then there's um the edge of the earth which is a dried ocean 
that looks like the Grand Canyon, but with fossils. It's unbelievable. And then, of course, any place in Europe. If you haven't been to Europe, just pick a country, start with one, work your way across the continent, um, and eat and eat yourself silly. <laughs> if I ever have you back on, I'm going to ask you that question again because I want the next time your favorite places for specific reasons, right? Because I've, I've asked people before three favorite places in the world. Um, and I've had such a diverse spectrum of, of answers in that. Even myself, if you ask me three favorite places in the world, I will give you two locations. And then the third is going to be on my couch when my kids fall asleep on me watching a movie, right? Like, so <laughs> next time I want to hear your personal favorites and, and, and why they're your favorites. Um, this next one is three things that you hope your daughter has learned from your journey as an advocate. Wow, I have never really thought about that. Um, one, you know, but it's it's interesting because I've seen it just this week, H how to speak up for herself. Um, she should have her own voice, how to get things done, and how to not take no for um, an answer. Love that. Love that. Three greatest moments of change that you've ever affected in your life. Wow. And, and it's funny, this is also very recent. Um, so there's one that just happened, the new proposed over-the-counter um, hearing aid regulations. Accomplishing that was mind-blowing for me. I've been working on that since at least 2009. And the fact that the FDA cited my testimony in the footnotes was personally just lovely. I so mean, cool. I worked really hard and it's really, really rare when people acknowledge your contribution. And I find after, um, sometimes when you work really hard and you fight people to get something done, people, everybody else wants to take credit for it. And it's really infuriating. And so the fact that the FDA acknowledged my contribution in the footnotes and, and my testimony was, I thought, really unbelievable because the the regulations mirror my testimony. I mean, pretty much verbatim. And it was really amazing because it, it was so rewarding. I knew I was right. I knew this was what had to be. And it was just really unbelievable. So that was probably one of the most highlights. Uh, the other amazing. is uh, t the taxi, adding induction loops to taxis. That was a nine year project that uh, I had to fight taxi cab owners and medallion owners, and they said it couldn't be done. And it is. It's in 3,000 taxis and really unbelievable. And then the subway information booths. I fought. Um, that was not a fight. That was actually the former New York City Transit Authority um, Commissioner Howard Roberts taught me valuable. He is a true leader. Um, he's since retired but a true incredible leader because he taught me so much about leader and his favorite saying was leaders lead. Yeah. And, and he used to tell me that like, you know, there was his predecessor, the person who took over after him who didn't agree. And he said, well, he didn't go to Princeton like I did, which I thought was just so funny, <laughs> but he it was just so funny. It was like, he doesn't know how to lead. And he said, you know, you just have to sometimes take a leap that maybe it's it, it may not seem obvious to other people and it may be like a, a bolder 
yep. thing to do, but that's what leaders do. Yep. And, and he was 100% right. And I think of Howard saying all the time, by the way, that was probably one of the three fastest projects I've ever accomplished. He just said yes immediately. And I can Amazing. count literally on one hand the number of projects like that. He was a true leader. Oh, he is a true leader. I don't want to make it like he passed away. <laughs> but uh, but he, he's a true leader. And, we're, and the privilege to work with somebody like that, it's not only getting the project done, but people like that have such a profound change on my life because they teach me, not only do we accomplish the task, but they teach me and, and, and help me then to work on other projects from their life lessons. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. You know what? I think that's a great way to end this thing. Guys, Janice Lentz, check out all of her information in the show notes. And please, please, even though we're pushing other people's podcasts, please listen to some of the podcasts that I'm going to link up uh, in the show notes to hear more about this. I wanted to keep this as a uh, not one of our super long episodes, honestly, because I had a two hour interview yesterday and I'm exhausted mentally from it. Uh, so I will I will definitely have you back one day, Janice, to, to talk more about this and, and about uh, the rest of the journey. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much, George, for having me. Absolutely. I'm going to put you back in the green room for a minute while I close out the show. Hang on. Guys, another one. We did it. 309 is in the books. See this? My show notes? Done. We did it. Check us out every single Monday. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, Google, uh, Amazon Music, all of those places. We are going strong. And I want to, I want to say... One thing to you guys real quick. Uh, I let you down last season a little bit. Season one, we killed it. We went 52 weeks straight. I had a mission with this podcast, and we have built something really, really important here. Season two, I've told you, I've been honest with you. We had some personal tragedy in my family. We had to cut that season short. But now we are building back season three. And you know how I know this? Because we are rising again. We are rising in the charts entrepreneurship charts, leadership charts in the United States, in Finland we charted for, for a few weeks. It's getting crazy. We are now in, I think a couple of episodes ago, we announced we were in 50 countries. We are now in 53 countries. My goal is to be in as many countries as Janice Lintz has traveled, even though that's not possible because podcasts, I know for a fact, are only available in 175 countries. So she's already outdone us. Guys, we'll see you next week. Launch sequence terminated. Into the black hole. Into the black hole. The LaunchCast is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Produced by Fabrizio Fugazi and executive produced by George Andriopoulos. Marketing and PR by Media Convergence. Theme song by Tommy Lungberg. Music and sound effects are licensed through Epidemic Sound. The LaunchCast is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it, guys. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere else that podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, the host at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or follow the show at The Launchcast Show on Facebook and Instagram, or at Launchcast Show on Twitter. Visit our website, thelaunchcast.com, and make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. We'll see you next time, guys.